Welcome to the 31 Oils Podcast. I'm Jen O'Sullivan. This is a place for free, fast-paced, and focused learning to boost your personal wellness journey. You can find more of my resources over at jenosullivan.com and also 31oils.com. All right, are you ready for today's topic? Let's get started. All right, so we're going to talk about schools of thought or methodology within the aromatherapy world. Now, many people will go into the concepts of different methods or schools of thought compared to the maybe French method or the English method or American method or German method. So let's just talk about these three quote-unquote methods. All right, so there are three methods of aromatherapy. They're aromatic topical and internal. (laughs) Okay. So, but within the past 15 years or so, there's been this sort of new school of thought uh, that has come to the forefront and It basically states that there are three different models of use within the aromatherapy industry as a whole. These models are often called schools. They're described as English or Anglo-Saxon, French, and German models. So the English or Anglo-Saxon model, which is often derived from for the American use, right, people in America here, Um, this is where... It mostly comprises aromatic use, so aromatherapy, so just like diffusers and using them aromatically. Uh, Massage, so with lots of carrier oil, just using them for general massage. For reflexology, and all of this is highly diluted. So these essential oils are highly diluted with carrier oils, or um, if you're using them in aromatic ways, it's just for a short amount of time. Okay, so the French model basically uses essential oils the same way with aromatic diluted massage. However, um, it's really one of the things that separates maybe the Anglo-Saxon from French is there's more of an aggressive, kind of the the Anglo-Saxons would call it an aggressive use, uh, because sometimes the French model would employ the use of essential oils in what's considered a neat fashion. That means undiluted. And that would be, be... taking an essential oil drop straight from the bottle and putting it on your skin. Uh, And also the occasional consumption use. And so just to understand the Anglo-Saxon school of or method of use definitely says not do not consume. Um, Whereas the French model says, yeah, you can occasionally if you need to. And they would use it with capsules or in water or using other carriers, right? Not carrier oils, but another carrier for the essential oil, such as a teaspoon of honey. Sometimes they'll use those little weird blocks of cubes of um, sugar. So all sorts of methods that you could do. Okay, so the German method is not all the time brought up, but sometimes it's brought up as more of an idea or concept. It's not an actual method. So it's kind of an interesting thing. Like the the German method, in, in very small circles, we'll, we'll talk about this based on the idea of using aromatherapy as a means to add health by using essential oils only aromatically to get them directly into your bloodstream, like like quickly and using your limbic system using maybe an ultrasonic or an you know an ionizing diffuser so oftentimes you'll hear 
the German method is like, just go out into the forest and walk around and take a deep breath of the pine trees. And that's literally aromatherapy. So, and that happens to me, um, whenever we go mountain bike riding up in Mammoth in the summertime, because I can for five minutes through a, a grove of trees, just smell the intense smell of, of fir trees. And then all of a sudden I will go through a spruce grove and it's magnificent. Okay. So I understand this for sure. And it just calms you and grounds you and makes you feel wonderful. All right. So curiously, these quote unquote schools exist in popular culture today. And if you ask any aromatherapist in any country, how they use essential oils, they'll all state aromatically, topically, and occasionally internally, even here in the United States. It's really interesting to me because because so many of these aromatherapists in the United States will teach absolutely do not consume, but they themselves consume. So we'll get into that in just a second. But the real question that you would want to ask is which method do they mostly use? Uh, there's this sort of interesting ever-present war going on in the essential oil industry, industry where aromatherapists have been essentially divided into two major camps. One camp believes that essential oils should only be used aromatically through, you know, just the diffusers and smelling them from the bottle, um, and also through highly diluted topical massage. The second camp mostly focuses on less diluted, and in some cases, neat topical application with some internal regimens when needed. All right, so that former camp is considered the Anglo-Saxon method, and the latter camp is that French method. Uh, like I said, the German method is rarely, if ever, mentioned um, as an actual method, so we're not going to really go into it any further. Okay, so from here on out, we're just really talking about the two. <laughs> All right, so French and Anglo-Saxon or English. All right, so the biggest controversy involves essential oil consumption. All right, so English aromatherapists, or really more specifically American aromatherapists, have a fear-based mentality. Uh, They're nervous about the strength of essential oils and cautious of the amount taken internally by basically the uneducated consumer. They think we're idiots, (laughs) and that's a problem, but, you know, it's fine. Um, You may read an article here or there where the author states emphatically that if someone tells you to consume essential oils in your water, that you should never talk to that person again. (laughs) Like, I'm not kidding. They'll say, friends don't let friends drink essential oils. That was one article from many years ago. Uh, It sort of made me giggle. Um, They will also say, say that oil and water don't mix. So their rationale is that if lemon essential oil deteriorates a foam cup, imagine what it's going to do to your insides. So the problem with this is that this assumption falls apart when you look at it closer because last I checked, you guys, the human body is not made of synthetic plastics, right? We're organic beings using another organic substance to help support our health. So there are only three reasons that consuming essential oil in water may be an issue. The first is if the person uses an essential oil that's not fully pure. Uh, Oftentimes they're laced with synthetics and they actually could cause harm. So these essential oils are usually labeled not for consumption. So you actually want to check your bottles. You want to look to see if it says not for consumption. Usually that's an indicator that there are synthetics in them. Uh, So sometimes not, but usually. The second reason is if 
they already have esophageal issues from conditions such as maybe acid reflux or bulimia. So that would cause issues, right? Because they already have an esophagus that is uh, maybe raw. And so any oil will just not feel great. All right. So the third uh, is if someone places large amounts, like six or more drops of a hot essential oil, like cinnamon bark or clove into their water without using a dispersant or something that's going to um, disperse it into the water. Of course, that's going to not feel good. right? So, so the, the idea that oil and water do not mix uh, is not necessarily true. We'll get into that in a minute. But there are parts of the essential oil that will float to the top or stay close to the top. And so it could stick to the sides of your throat, causing either a burning sensation or your throat will feel as if it's closing up from swelling. Again, this would be if you're using a super spicy oil. So I, that's like sort of user error in my book. So there have been really very few reports of throat burns or tightening. However, in every instance, it has been a result of the one, one of these above three, excuse me, reasons. So in that first instance, right, it's very important as far as buying oils that maybe aren't pure. We want to find out if the company you're buying your oils from is creating pure throughout the bottle essential oils that are labeled for consumption, Most companies don't have this label, but when you contact them to inquire, they might tell you that their grass generally recognized as safe for consumption by the FDA, but most times it means that they did not want to test the oils and pay for the FDA, pay them to have this like dietary supplement label. Um, Really, it goes back to them just not understanding labeling practices uh, because you don't actually have to pay the FDA. So it's just a funny thing that a lot of companies want to just cover all bases. So it's important to be wary of ingesting oils because companies may not even have any control over the production of the oils themselves. So when you see someone just kind of covering their bases, I'm sort of of the mindset of I'm not interested in using them if they're not perfectly happy and confident that those oils can be consumed. So I just wouldn't ever consume them. So to ingest an essential oils whose purity you're not completely certain of would be very reckless. Uh, however, you, you can consume grass oils if you want at your own risk, um, even if you don't know how it was produced. But I would highly recommend not consuming any oils um, that aren't grass. But if the oil itself says... It, not for consumption, and it is a grass, a grass meaning generally recognized as safe, uh, you know, that's up to you. <laughs> okay, so the one area of concern when consuming essential oils whose purity you're not completely certain of is specific in that there may be synthetics in the essential oil bottle, and you may encounter this interesting kind of piggyback effect. So essential oils have really small molecules, like fewer than 500 atomic mass units, with most being actually under less than 300 AMU. So because of their incredibly small molecular size, they're able to break through your cell membranes to help support proper cell function. So if a synthetic constituent, such as maybe just a small amount of ethyl vanillin, which is often found in essential oils to make them smell better, it's basically a food-grade synthetic flavoring agent. If that were in the product to enhance the smell, the synthetic chemical constituent could piggyback on that natural chemical constituent to sneak in through the back door, so to speak. And we we don't want that, right? That would contaminate the healthful effects of the natural constituents. Or instead of the piggyback 
effect, more likely it would block that essential oil from getting in. So that's not good either. Furthermore, you know, contaminating the healthful effects of the natural constituents. So you want to find a line of, you know, a a line, a, a company of essential oils that are both meant for consumption and produced using very, very well above standard production methods. Uh, And that's super important when you choose to consume an essential oil. Okay. So the second reason someone might have an issue with consuming oils is if they have that pre-existing issue that causes their esophagus to maybe be less than healthy. And we talked about like bulimia, that's that habitual self-induced vomiting that can cause a raw esophagus. Maybe they have GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux disease. Maybe they have chronic acid reflux or heartburn or some other esophageal compromising activity, right? Such maybe as excessive smoking, uh, maybe some overuse of certain pharmaceuticals, or even eating a bunch of spicy foods or high acidic foods. So like if you're drinking coffee all day long, you might have a sensitive esophagus, right? So if your esophagus is already compromised, drinking water infused with an essential oil like peppermint may not feel super good. Uh, in some cases, cases, when you drink essential oils, they actually help the symptoms associated with some of these esophageal problems, but in other times it might exacerbate them. And so you want to get to know your body and which essential oils to avoid based on their quote unquote, those heat factors, right? If it's a hot or spicy oil, and that just is something to consider. Um, You can see which ones work for you and which ones don't. Okay. So that third reason that a user might encounter a mucous membrane burning sensation is basically from overuse. So our taste buds and sense of smell become desensitized due to foods like salt and spices. And over time, we have to add more and more of these ingredients to achieve the same effect or flavor. So a similar similar phenomena can occur with essential oils. So the first time you place a drop of clove in, on your tongue, it might feel like your mouth is on fire. However, if you were using that over and over again, after several uses, your body will come like used to it. They'll be, it'll acclimate to that heat and you'll be able to tolerate more. So I know some people who are now able to put about six or more drops of peppermint in their water compared to their very first time when they were they were like, oh my goodness, one drop is so crazy. <laughs> right? So it's interesting to me how, you know, we can become desensitized with essential oils. So if you're one of those people that is putting tons of essential oils in your water because you can't taste it anymore, basically your body is at risk for becoming desensitized and possibly having some future issues. So the best way to reset your taste sensitivity to either a hot oil or any oil for that matter is to stop using it for at least one to two weeks. Uh, and then when you reintroduce it into your body, use only one drop and really never any more than two when you're just trying to flavor something. Your taste will come back and you'll start getting the same results. There's just no need to use more than one to two drops of any essential oil in your water unless you're doing specific like short-term flush. Okay. So and a flush basically means uh, you're doing something for two or three days and you're using more oils than normal, but it's just a rapid detox flush in your system. All right. So with so much to learn, 
how should a person who wants to embark upon essential oil regimen know who to learn from and where to start, right? Which school of thought is correct? And why is there so much hype surrounding them? Well, if I'm going to put it in simple terms, uh, the schools have become popular in recent years because of the vast number of people using essential oils on a regular and consistent basis, right? The sheer number of essential oil users has gone up and we're seeing a higher number of really opinionated people getting upset with each other. And these outbursts seem to come only from people trained or educated in one area as opposed to all areas. So some people who may have been sensitive to an essential oil could self-administer. They think they're going to self-administer or be instructed by an uneducated oily salesperson only to find themselves feeling worse than when they started, right? This is the assumption that is made. And this is a good assumption because this is why education is so important. And this is why I do what I do because I want to help you guys become educated users and not be afraid. Aromatherapy used to be administered and directed under a trained certified aromatherapist. That's how it was done. Today, there are literally hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, using essential oils under their own supervision without any knowledge or understanding of how or why they're using what they're using. However, uh, these people are using essential oils on a regular basis and they all have one thing in common. <laughs> there have been no major issues with people becoming sick or dying from their use. And we're talking about millions of users because we're looking at the specifics of how many people are, say, using from companies such as Young Living that I represent and doTERRA. These are massive companies with hundreds of thousands of members. And in each member, you've got anywhere from three to 10 people that are being serviced from that membership because of the family, right? And so that's an interesting thing when you think about all these people who are consuming and applying meat and we're not seeing tons and tons of issues, maybe one or two here and there. And it's only because that person was overdosing on it and their body was rejecting it. So you're seeing some rashes and stuff, but that's it. You're not hearing of anyone dying. You're not hearing of anyone being hospitalized. Like it's an interesting thing to me when you're looking at if, if you've got one case, right, in millions of people, that's no bit that's nothing to worry about. That's user error. Okay, so I just want to be clear on that, that this alarmist mentality of the aromatherapy industry as a whole is unnecessary because people are using oils to raise their levels of health and they're doing it on their own. It kind of seems to me as if the certified aromatherapists of the world, which I am one of them, they're not too happy. And why should they be? Because their would-be clients are self-diagnosing and self-treating with a lot of success. So I, you know, I feel like it's important for me as a certified French medicinal aromatherapist to help educate the world and let you guys know that don't be afraid. You know, it's important. So what then is the issue? <laughs> okay. So it may be that it's assumed this idea of people over consuming, right? There's this assumption that there's this overconsumption of essential oils uh, and consuming oils on a daily basis has been a major game changer for many people. So why does it seem like everyone in the aromatherapy 
a therapy industry, like whenever you hear, hear someone, I'm a certified aromatherapist and I'm against consumption, right? That's what they say is against this. Well, to put it plainly, they aren't. Um, the ones who are the teachers, the aromatherapy instructors of the students that are becoming certified aromatherapists, they don't, these students don't realize this, but the instructors consume all the time. And I've talked to them about it and they have told me specific things. This is interesting. So we'll get into this in just a second. But in, in Europe, we know that consumption is a wild, widely used method, right, of use. However, in the United States, the vast majority of certified aromatherapists are learning the English method, the non-consumption method. And that method is firmly against consumption for the masses, even if the aromatherapist personally practiced consumption. Okay, so we have what I would consider well-respected elders in the industry in America, and they are the instructors. They're the people who instruct the students who then become certified aromatherapists. And I've spoken to several of them and their response is that there's this fear of Americans that they just won't follow the rules because <laughs> as a society, Americans just don't follow the rules. And so when these, these people that I've talked with, they say, you know, we, we want to help people understand. So, you know, if we were to teach them, this is their, this is their assumption, right? This is not an actual, they've had this happen. This is their assumption. If they say use three drops in a capsule two times a day, they're saying that Americans will tend to disregard the advice in favor of that quote unquote America, you know, more is better, like the McDonald's mentality. That's what I've, that's how I've been explained this. (laughs) And so they'll say that if three drops work, why not 30? Well, I asked them, I'm like, this doesn't make much sense because if your doctor tells you to take one pill two times a day, why on earth would you do more? So the dichotomy seems to be based on the idea that Americans think essential oils are natural and therefore not able to do any major harm. It's like, well, if I'm going to eat one apple, why not eat 10, right? That's not really going to cause any issues. So some oils can't really can't cause serious health risks, but others can. And as an, as an example, no one's going to be overdosing on lemon oil. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I guess technically you could, if you were drinking it like eight ounces of lemon essential oil, that would be way too much for your system, but it would just, you wouldn't die from it. However, you'd be in the bathroom a lot, but some essential oils in high doses like cinnamon bark could actually cause toxicity or even drug interactions that would discourage blood clotting. So that could end up being life-threatening, right? Um, Or even nutmeg. If you took too much nutmeg, you could land yourself in the hospital. And this is, this is, this is the kind of story I like to tell people because it makes a lot of sense for us Americans. <laughs> so, you know, you might think, oh, nutmeg. I've heard nutmeg is good for people who are dealing with symptoms of fatigue. And the consumer will go out and buy a bottle and they'll read the label and the label might say, use one drop with carrier oil and rub on location or use one drop with a few drops of carrier oil in a capsule up to three times daily or as needed, right? So the consumer reads the or as needed part and thinks, wow, well, I'm really tired, <laughs> right? And so I'll, I'll go with three drops in a capsule three times a day and one, two or three drops doesn't seem like a lot the consumer might end up in the hospital with a racing heart because nutmeg essential oil is really powerful. And the consumer might think, well, nutmeg is just nutmeg, right? Like 
what? And so again, essential oils are powerful and some people don't understand that, nor do they care. So this kind of odd assumption isn't so odd after all, when you start to think about it, that the instructors are trying to, to kind of keep in their minds idiots, right? And that's where I have a problem with this because they have this concept of people don't know, they don't understand, they're going to just, they're just going to harm themselves. So let's just teach to not do it at all. And that's where I have a problem with this because it's not that hard, right? Read the label. So the Alliance of International Aromatherapists, I'm going to get into a couple companies, you know, these, these groups, right? It's called the AIA and the Aromatherapy Aromatherapy Registration Council, the ARC. Uh, they've become pretty nasty in the industry about all of this. And they have gone so far as to block anyone who uses oil consumption as part of their practice from being registered with them. Um, they need to be trained. They're saying, you, you know, the only reason you should be able to consume is unless you, you need to be a trained chemist, anatomy or diagnostics or physiology or other areas that are like fully certified practicing aromatherapists. And even then they, they would say, if you're advocating consumption, we're going to block you. And, um, they're really mean. They're kind of bullies about it. So, you know, if you're a certified aromatherapist, you're welcome to take the ARC exam. Uh, They do not support nor do they condone anyone affiliated with essential oil consumption. Um, The the AIA has specifically banned anyone affiliated with direct sales essential, uh, essential oil companies. Like, really, it's interesting to me that they've done this because they've shot themselves in the foot because the majority of the people on the planet now are using oils from direct sales companies like Young Living and doTERRA, right? So it's like, what? Okay, so they've banned them because they use oils internally, as well as the fact that they use oils undiluted or neat. So it's just, it's an interesting thing that these people have just... um kind of alienated themselves from the vast majority now. I mean, the, the, the direct sales amount of people who are learning consumption and topical use is in the millions and they have banned all those people. (laughs) Okay. So, which leads us to that second way in which the French method suggests use of essential oils through neat or less diluted application. All right. So in 2005, there was an article um, entitled Aromatherapy, Undiluted Safety and Ethics. And this was by Tony um, Burfield and Celia Celia Shepard Hanger. These are some people that are um, in the aromatherapy industry. And they stated the use of neat essential oils in aromatherapy cannot be supported because of the danger of irritation or sensitization reactions and injuries caused to clients as a result of this practice and may not be covered by the therapist's insurance. All right, so first of all, therapists don't have insurance. Uh, That is not something that happens. Uh, All aromatherapists must be compliant, okay? And aromatherapists, who they're not licensed physicians. They don't have errors and omissions or you know, liability insurance. I mean, this is just a very interesting, odd statement. But since 1993, right, millions, close to 4 million essential oil users around the globe have without incident, right, like no incidents has happened. They've used essential oils neat, 
and internally with great health benefits. Okay, so it's just a, it's a funny thing. It's this bully fear mongering thing that's going on. And, um, I'm not on board with it. So while some dermal sensitivity is occasionally experienced, right? That happens. It's not the norm. And the material that that is supplied with your essential oil gives you proper proper safety information for dilution with using carrier oils, right? However, the issue is that people need education. And unfortunately, if these organizations continue to block direct sales essential oil distributors from being registered simply on the basis that they are from a direct sales company, They're only promoting the main issue they have with these distributors, which is their lack of education, right? So that's why I do what I do, (laughs) because they're not educating anyone, and we need education. If these organizations would recognize that essential oil-based direct sales companies are not going anywhere, and in fact comprise the large majority of essential oil users in the United States, it would benefit the entire aromatherapy therapy industry for them to be accepted and would potentially lead to the proper education of these distributors. The largest direct sales essential oil company is Young Living Essential Oils, and it sells the most essential oils out of any other essential oil company on the planet. And they've had close to $2 billion in annual sales coming in since, you know, 2015. They operate in close to 20 markets, almost 25 markets. They're growing every year by about five markets a year. Uh, it's, incre- it's incredible, right? And if you look at doTERRA, who's another leading direct sales essential oil company, they're right behind Young Living. They have had millions and millions. They've stated they're a billion-dollar company as well. Massive amount of employees, millions of distributors. I mean, it's the same thing. We've got the same thing going on here. Uh, and so if you look into any like if you only look at these two, right, these two of the several direct sales essential oils companies, there's other essential oil companies that they sell essential oils and their direct sales. There's a ton of online companies now that are selling essential oils to the public. You look at companies like Plant Therapy that's gotten a lot of traction in recent years. Um, You look at oils like uh, Mountain Rose Herbs. uh, They've been around forever. These are just American companies, right? It's And they sell to so many people. (laughs) So it's kind of interesting to me that if we were to look at just these companies and these other major players, even though the industry doesn't want to recognize them as valid simply because of their sales and use methods, when you consider the volume, the method of use, the sales methods, you encounter a problem. There are too many, there's just too many well-meaning distributors out there, right, through these direct sales companies like Young Living and doTERRA that are actually sharing bad advice, right? So I'm going to be honest here because I hear tons of bad advice that they're they're really giving kind of assumptive advice to these these excited new essential oil users. And so for me, sadly, distributors are being sued sometimes by novice essential oil consumers because of wrong advice, right? That's where that FDA stepped in. And I think that that really helped everyone understand that you can't be diagnosing and helping treat cancer if you're not a doctor, right? It's called practicing medicine without a license. So when the FDA stepped in to help with regulation and liability of direct sales essential oil companies. This was in 2014. 
Their goal was to help everyone understand the liability that they were placing themselves in by making claims that essential oils could help prevent or or treat or cure a disease. They've required compliance, basically, from all of these essential oil and retail companies. And compliance simply means that anyone in the business of selling essential oils of any kind, including online companies, direct sales distributors and representatives, small alternative medicine stores, and certified aromatherapists, right? So all all of us, if we make various usage recommendations to our customers or clients, uh, you know, we're not allowed. We're not allowed to make any disease claim claims. We're not allowed to state that an essential oil can prevent, treat, or cure any disease or illness. And even though so many di- distributors, right, from these direct sales companies were upset, the FDA did the industry a great service. Talking about essential oils compliance keeps everyone from liability. And it is not, none of us are trying to hide behind the FDA so that we don't have to help people. You know, I think that it, it almost felt like we were being handcuffed, but it is very freeing to know and to make sure my customers know you need to be your own best advocate. The information is out there. The education is out there. You can go get educated at different schools. You can uh, read different books. There's tons of information on Google. The best thing you can do is just look up an essential oil and the constituents and then cross-reference what those constituents do. It's really simple. Like if you looked up frankincense and looked up what a monoterpene does, it's easy. Or look up what a, you know, alpha pinene, right? Look up what is that main constituent's ability to do and you'll know what it does. It's it's wild how easy it is to, to research this stuff. So it's just another instance of simple education. It's so important to, to educate yourself on essential oil the constituents, the usage, know what you're talking about before you start telling others your third-party opinions about why essential oils should or should not be used neat or consumed, right? So many of you who are telling people don't consume oils, well, do you know why, right? And you have to remember hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have been doing it for centuries without issue. Uh, Those giving advice owe it to themselves and their customers, friends, and families to get educated, right? There's several schools, like I said, that are good quality aromatherapy schools. Um, I recommend the New York Institute for Aromatic Studies. And the reason I recommend that school is because they're the only school in the United States that teaches all sides of it. And you can get a really well-rounded education. They are supported by Naha, but they are the only school that teaches consumption. So there's really plenty of great schools out of there out, out in the United States, but that's the one I love the most. Um, I give tons and tons of free education on many of my resources. You can look me up on Facebook. Uh, you can look me up on YouTube. I'm all over the place. So for me, life is full of learning and we grow as people through trial and error, through living and learning, through experimentation and change. I fail sometimes in order to grow, right? That's the point. I get things wrong and then I get things right. And if I want to grow, and I, if I want my aromatherapy in, you know, world to grow, we have to change. And, you know, if we think, um, in terms of stating things like I will not allow aromatherapy history in the United States to be rewritten as long as I'm alive to recount my true experience with it. This was by Shepard Hanger. And I'm thinking, what in the world? 
who are you to say I will not be allowed it to be? You can't help history. It's already moved forward, right? We're already out of whatever you're doing and it's out of your control. It's out of my control. People do what they're going to do. Let's get on board with what's happening now. The change has already happened. Let's get on pace with people and help educate them. Ignorant consumers and aromatherapists alike have been known to state openly, I will never ingest essential oils because it's reckless. You guys, it's interesting about how many of the nevers in life, right, are the very things that we end up doing. Those things in which we emphatically say never to become our actual reality. Change is amazing. Most can't stand it. I get it. It's a scary experience to change, but to live, we must grow, and to grow, we must learn. To learn, we must embrace change, you guys. So here we are in the midst of change. Change is seen in the extreme and radical beauty of life brought forth through the budding force of nature as a seed, right? A seed becomes a life force to be reckoned with. Man, what a gorgeous thing to experience a life lived to its fullest. I encourage you guys to to embrace change, live life, and be blessed. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Take care. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your wellness journey today. You can find all my books and other resources over at 31oils.com, or you can go to Amazon and get them. Uh, Other ways to connect to me would be at jenosullivan.com. I've got YouTube, Instagram, all sorts of training programs. Um, We've got things that I encourage you to get involved in, like the Vitality Lifestyle Coaching Program. You can check out at 31oils.com forward slash VLC. I'm all over Facebook, so just search, search me there. But, um, I appreciate you guys so much. And until next time, I'm Jen O'Sullivan. Know better, do better, be better. This episode is brought to you by the very first time I ever consumed essential oils. I put one drop or at least tried to put one drop of peppermint in a plastic water bottle and two came out and I thought, oh, well, and I drank that thing and thought, wow, that was strong. like so funny. And so I just remember um, taking a couple sips and not thinking it tasted very good because it was too strong, putting the bottle down and leaving it and coming back a couple days later to see this really weird film on the top of the water. I realized later it was plastic that had been leached from the peppermint essential oil. So I learned two things that day. One, one drop is good. Two, Do not ever put essential oils in water bottles that are plastic as you're basically going to be drinking plastic. Super bad for your health. So lesson learned and uh, never done that again, but just a great, great lesson to learn. So stainless steel or glass water bottles all the way. (laughs) Okay, guys, take care. 